Okay, today uh, I'm going to try to take chapter 13 and 14 together uh, because because these two chapters, they, they really dovetail with chapter 12. And it's all one big speech from Job, chapter 12, 13, and 14. In, in chapter 12, we saw that... Uh, you know, Job claims to be just as knowledgeable as his three friends who are, you know, trying to give him counsel. And he he, he knows that God is sovereign in the heavens. Um, he, he spent the last half of, of chapter 12 talking about how, you know, God does whatever he pleases in the heavens and the earth. And he, he controls nations and, and he opens and shuts doors for men as he sees fit. Uh, he, he controls all these things. So, so Job spent the last chapter basically telling off Zophar, you know, so to speak. Uh, for the next two chapters, Job is going to, he's going to forget all about talking to his friends and uh, in, in chapter 13 and 14, he's going to take his case directly to God. Uh, now, now, no matter what we think of Job um, and, and all he's going through, it's just, I mean, theologically, whether, whether Job is right or wrong, to be speaking to God the way that he does, um, I, I mean, I find some comfort in the fact that that God is big enough to listen to Job's complaint, and and, and he can take them himself. Uh, as we've, you know, we'll see toward the end of the book, God is, you know, God's a very big God, and, and he can speak for himself, and he will speak for himself. Um, in fact, for us, he has spoken for himself in the scripture and the word that he's given us. Uh, Paul says that this word's able to equip us for every good work. There's no good work out there that we can do. The scripture doesn't equip us for. So anything we come across, God's word is enough. But God is not a far off distant God like Job has said he is in earlier chapters. Or Job is complaining that he feels like God is far off in other chapters. God is intimately involved in everything that we go through. And this is going to come shining through uh, at the end of the book when God shows us, uh, you know, when he shows us his presence and, and he shows us his, his will and his ways. And he pretty much chastises Job uh, forever doubting or questioning him. Um, now, I don't think this gives us a license to say that it's OK for us to doubt God or or to cavalierly ask uh questions of God's actions. Why are you doing this to me? You know, as his creatures, we really don't have the authority or the right to take that upon ourselves. But but he does tell us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. And so when we're going through the deepest, darkest suffering, the only place we really can go uh, is God. Uh, if you notice, Job's friends are no help. Uh, Job's family, his wife, is 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 no help, and so he's finding no help anywhere. And and Job's problem is he's not hearing from God. He's trusting in what God has said before, but he's not hearing from God in this instance. And therefore, he starts to question God. He starts to ask, "Where are you?" He starts to say, "I want to make my case, you know, with God, and I want Him to judge whether I'm right or I'm wrong." And I think that message comes out here because. Job desperately is not seeking comfort from his friends. They aren't giving him anything. 
but even if they were, he's uh, he's spending half the time debating with his counselors, uh, and, and then the majority of the time he's going to go to God with his concerns and fears. And in these three chapters, it's not it's not even half; it's really a third. He spends uh, chapter twelve talking to Zophar, and then goes to God, and then chapter thirteen and fourteen are specifically Job going to God with his his complaint and his fears. In chapter 13, at the beginning, Job says, Behold, my eye has seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. What you know, I also know. He's talking to his friends. I am not inferior to you, but I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to argue my case with God. He's telling his friends, Look, uh, I, I know what you know, and I know all that you're telling me, but I'm not going to be talking to you anymore. I'm going to talk to the Almighty. I'm going to bring my case uh, to God. His desire, and this is very important, is not to win the argument with his friends and to be proven right. Uh, he doesn't care if his theological perspective is correct, and, and he is proclaim the victor in the battle that they have, you know, the verbal battle they have going on. Uh, his only concern is that his God sees him as in the right. He wants to be right with God. He doesn't just want to be in right standing. What I mean by that is he doesn't just want God to come and stamp an innocent sign on his forehead declaring that he is in the right. He wants to be in right relationship with God. He wants the intimacy he once had with God back uh, where now he feels like God has you know, left him alone to, to wallow in all this misery. So uh, Job is adamant about having God himself hear his case. Uh, That he basically tells his friends just to sit down and shut up while I get my case ready to present before God. Uh, He says, as for you, you whitewash with lies, worthless physicians are you all. Uh, Verse 5 says, oh, that you would just keep silent and it would be your wisdom. He says, just shut up and that'd be the smartest thing you can do. And then he turns his attention back to God in verse 6. He says, hear now my argument and listen to the pleadings of my lips. He doesn't really care what his friends think as long as he's right with God. As long as he and God are in relationship with each other, his friends can just butt out of the conversation. Um, There's something to be said here for a man who thinks this way. Um, when anything is going on in our lives, it's, whether it's good or whether it's bad, the only audience we should consider is, is God. And that's what Job's doing here. The only one whose opinion matters is God. He is the one who says what is right and what's wrong. So even if Job were to acquiesce to his friend's wishes and, and just, you know, repent for for whatever, just make up something, something he, he, he knows he, that it isn't there, just, he's just going to say it and, and do it, go through the motions in order to gain back the blessings uh, that he thinks he's lost, um, he would still be at odds with God, even if he were to do that. He would still be, uh, he would still be wrong in God's sight, he, he, so he thinks. Uh, God said at the beginning that Job was righteous, because of the sacrifices, the faith, and repentance, and the, the, the devotion of it that characterized Job's life. Uh, for Job to drop all that and can it, to trash can all that, just to make his friends feel better, and just to get out of the predicament that he's in, would be to dishonor everything God has said. The, uh, think about it for a second. 
what the friends are asking Job to do is to deny the promises and the standards that God has made previously in order to uh, just make uh, make uh, make their system work. Let me try that a different way. He God promised that he Job is holding on to the fact that God promised that his sacrifices that he made each day, that his faith in in God's word and in those sacrifices, which point to the sacrifice of Christ, uh, would cover his sins and would uh, bring him forgiveness of sins. And that's what Job trusted in. Now his friends are telling him just to trash can all that and just go ahead and start repenting of the same sins that God said would be covered by these sacrifices. And if he would do that, then God would come and he would restore all the blessings that he had taken from Job. Now, for Job to give in to that, for Job to say, okay, that's what I'm going to do, he would be denying the very word of God because God said that those faithful sacrifices which pointed to the sacrifice of Christ would cover his sins and bring forgiveness for his sins and so for Job to give in to his friends now and say um, you know I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go to God and I'm going to uh, uh, you know I'm going to lay all these sins before him and this is why he's punishing me this is why all this uh, terrible tragedy has come upon me. For Job to do that, he would be denying what God had said previously. And Job is not ready to do that. He's not ready to give up what God said. He's not ready to say, well, maybe my sins aren't covered. Maybe my sins aren't atoned for. And I think that's a great lesson for us believers that are on this side of the cross that know uh, the fullness of, of God's plan of redemption is that Many times suffering is going to come into our life. Suffering is going to come in many different forms. We live in this world. We live in these bodies that are getting older and frailer uh, as uh, as the days go by. And there is a tendency for us to um, for us to doubt the sufficiency of what Christ did on the cross for us, and to say, "Well, I'm going through this because God's punishing me for X, Y, and Z." Uh, God may be disciplining you. And the difference between punishment and discipline is discipline is always meant to bring you back to the right path. It's redemptive. It's um, it's for reconciliation. And punishment is just for you to pay for the crime you've done. And so Job is having a real problem with this. This is what he's wrestling with. Uh, he, he won't bear this. He's, he's listened to about all of his friend's rhetoric that he can stand. Uh, verse 7 says, Will you speak falsely for God and speak deceitfully for him? Verse 8, Will you show partiality toward him? Will you plead the case for God? Will you be well? Will it be well with you when he searches you out? Or, or can you deceive him as one deceives a man? In verse 10, he says, He will surely rebuke you if in secret you show partiality. Verse 11 says, Will not the, his majesty terrify you and the dread of him fall upon you? Your maxims are proverbs of ashes. Your defenses are defenses of clay. Job gives his friends a warning here of judgment. If they continue to speak falsely about God... Uh, if they continue to speak against what God has explicitly said earlier, 
then they're setting themselves up for judgment. Now, you understand what they're saying uh, sounds like good advice. It sounds like advice that you know you may give a person who is suffering, or advice that you may um, you may think of while you're suffering. Um, but it's not advice that uh, coheres with what God has already said. So when God searches them, when He judges the friends. Um, Job says he'll surely rebuke you. Uh, the words they are giving Job are just ashes and clay. They don't profit anything, and they are far from being true. They they cannot refuse. Um, they cannot refuse to accept the fact that God is in complete control, and whatever He decides to do um, will be will be done. They have to keep believing that Job must have done something to deserve what he's getting. Uh, when the reality is that they they all deserve judgment, according to God's standard. Uh, they deserve it as much as Job does, as much as I do, as much as you do. They deserve it just as much as anyone else. And there's no other explanation as to why Job is suffering, and they're not suffering except the will of God Himself, And we saw that in the first and second chapter of Job. It was God's pleasure to God's will to let Satan loose on Job to test Job. Uh, but they just can't take living in a world like that. It's too uncertain. It's too scary to think that I'm not in control. Uh, but Job, he understands that this worldview is scary. Uh, but he knows that it's got to be true because he's trusted in what God has said. So even at the great risk of coming before an all-powerful God, he must bring his case. He must come to God and say, wait a minute, your word says, and go through it with God. He's got to come to God with it. Verse 13 says, let me have silence, talking to his friends, and I will speak, and let come on me what may. He said, whatever it comes to, let it come. Verse 14 says, Why should I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Verse 15 is a very famous verse. He says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him, yet I will argue my ways to his face. Now, a lot of people take that verse out of the context of what's going on here. Uh, when he says, Though he slay me, I will hope in him, um, he's not just talking about you know, even though I go through hard suffering, I'm going to trust in God. Um, of course, that's part of it. But here in this context, he's saying, I'm going to take my case to God. I'm going to take my case. I'm going to base it on the words that God has said. If I offer faithful, repentant sacrifices, they will cover my sin. And I'm going to take that promise to God. And I'm going to go and I'm going to meet him right to his face with his with his promises in my hand saying, you said this. And if God slays me, in the court case that I bring against, uh, I bring to him uh, with his word in my hand. He said, "That's fine. Just let him slay me." But I'm trusting in him, in his word, that his word is going to be true. When I bring it to him and I say, "This is your word," uh, I- I'm trusting. My hope is that he is going to honor his word and that's the that's the hope of us all. Really, when we stand before God, you know, you've probably been asked the question. 
you know, if you, you stood before God today, what what would and he asked you why I should let you into heaven, what would you say? And the only thing that we have is his word, his promise that through Jesus Christ all of our sins have been atoned, and through the resurrection we're justified in him. So his only hope is going it's gonna to have to come through God. His friends can't help him. They they can't do anything but cause him more pain and grief with their words and their advice. Yet they're telling him that if he persists in attempting to go directly to God and plead his case, he will be destroyed because God doesn't abide such foolishness is is their advice. And Job's response is um it, it, it's it's that even if he does die in the process, he has no other hope than God. He has no other choice but to do all he can to be vindicated before God. He has no other choice than to bring the, the words that God has promised him right to the throne room of God and saying, here is your word, here is what you said, and uh, show me where this is not good enough. And that's the only judge that matters. You know, it, it doesn't matter what his friends think. They can they can think he's wrong all day long, and it it just doesn't make any difference. If if God says he's right, then he's right, and if God accepts him, no one else can do anything about it. But, but because <clears throat> now that's we have to have balance when we look at it. Because and you know if we see Job knows his own heart, and he knows. Uh, you know, he's the only one that, besides God that does, that knows his heart. Uh, he's confident that he will be vindicated before God and his case will be heard. Um, and he's confident that all this will result in his deliverance, not because he's so good, but because God's word is true. Verse 16 says, this will be my salvation, that the godless shall not come before him. Verse 17 Keep listening to my words and let my declaration be in your ears. Behold, I have prepared my case. I know that I shall be in the right. Job is he, he's putting all his eggs in this one basket. His only hope is to be right is uh, to be right before God. Uh, he, he even tells his friends that if they can find an accusation that sticks against him, then he'll just shut his mouth and be and he'll just die. Uh, he's that confident in his case. Verse 19 says, Who is there that will contend with me? For then I would be silent and die. Uh, so he tells them he is confident in his case, not because he's so good, not because he's done what he's supposed to do, but because God's word is true, because the sacrifice has covered his sin. Uh, now for the rest of chapter 13 and all of chapter 14, Job is going to make his case before God. He's going to speak directly to God and tell God what's bothering him. Now we we can't commend everything that Job says to God because in the final analysis, God doesn't commend everything Job says. Uh, he actually rebukes him for some of the things he says. Uh, but we can see that God is big enough uh, for us to come to him with our questions and our fears. Um, but we should come to him confessing them instead of demanding answers. I don't know if that makes sense, but when we have compl questions and, and complaints and fears and, and worries, that's part of the human condition. That's part of being a sinful, fallen man. Um, but it's also sinful to come and question and doubt a holy God who knows whose ways are just so far above our ways. 
Um, so when we come, we come and cast our cares upon him, but we do it in a spirit of faith. We come like God, you know, like, uh, God, I, I don't know what's going on, but I know that you do. I'm scared. I'm worried. I'm terrified. Help me to trust in, in what you're doing through all this. Um, now, and, and that's easy for me to say, you know, as I sit here and I'm not going through anything right now. Uh, I'm not going through the suffering that Job's going through. Um, but we got to get this in our minds before suffering comes. Um, there won't be much leeway to work uh, through these issues once it's here. Suffering will be upon us, and, and we'll just have to deal with it the best that we know how. So it's important to understand these things beforehand. The first thing that Job does is he asks two things of God. Verse 20 says, Only grant me two things. Then I will not hide my f- myself from your face. 21 says, Withdraw your hand from me, and let not dread the dread of you terrify me. Verse 22 says, Then call, and I will answer. Or let me speak, and you reply to me. So, first Job wants all this suffering removed. That's the first thing I want. I want out. Um he says, withdraw your hand from me and quit terrifying me. You know, and this is typical of how we think. It's, it's typical of how, it's typical of how I think. Um, when suffering comes, I just want out. I just want it done with. I want the suffering to stop. Uh, now, I know what scripture teaches about us rejoicing in suffering because trials bring about patience and they grow us in our faith. And, and I know all that, but but it doesn't matter when suffering hits. Uh, my knee jerk reaction is just I want the suffering gone. I want it out. And so <clears throat> Job's the same way here. He just he just wants his suffering stopped. Uh, he doesn't care that God may be doing something through all this suffering. He doesn't really think about the fact that, that God is working some good purpose in all this. And, and it may be to his benefit that he's suffering. Um, he, he just doesn't think like that. And, and I don't think we should be too hard on him because there aren't many of us who think like that either. Um, we just want the suffering stopped. The second thing Job wants is an audience with God. He wants to talk about all this that's going on he 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 says call and i will answer or let me speak and you reply he wants his case heard in open court Um, now this is something that job doesn't really know i don't think he knows exactly what he's asking for Um, it's like desiring to have someone's dirty laundry exposed in public but then they turn around and show off all your dirty laundry too. You know, it would have been better if you'd have just left the whole thing alone. Um, when when God finally does show up and give Job an audience, uh, when He does show up and hear Job's case, uh, Job is going to wish that he had never asked God to speak. Um, and we're going to see that in the in the final chapters. Um, Job is a sinner just like us, and if we get down to what we actually deserve. Uh, it's a whole lot worse than what we actually experience, I promise you. God has been, man, he's been good to all of us. He's withheld lots of judgment and punishment that we deserve. And if we ever get too high-minded with God and we <clears throat> just see uh, how much patience and care he's shown to us, um, it has a tendency to shame us. And that's what it's going to do to Job. Um, he's God's been good, and we haven't. And it's just that simple. In the next section, Job's going to start questioning the punishment of his sin. 
<clears throat> and here we start getting into a debatable area of Job's response. There, There's more than one way that we can take Job's statements. And so, well, let's just read what he says first, and then we'll look at the best way to interpret them. Verse 23 says, How many are my iniquities and my sins? Maybe we know, make me know my transgression and my sin. Verse 24, Why do you hide your face and count me as your enemy? Will you frighten a driven leaf and pursue dry chaff? For you write bitter things against me and make me inherit the iniquities of my youth. Now, we can look at this one of two ways. We can say that Job is just flat out sinning right here by calling God's judgment of him into question. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's the last thing I want to do is to is to tell God to make me know my sin. You know, if he were to do that, uh, I mean, God would have to spend the next hundred years telling me about my sins or the next 200 years. God is right to bring judgment on any of us at any time. He is perfect and we're utterly sinful. So um, it wouldn't be very smart for a sinful man to start calling out a holy God saying, show me where I've sinned. Uh, I promise God wouldn't have to look very hard to find something. Uh, he, he could uh, probably play back the last five minutes of your life, even as you've been listening to this, and show you where you've sinned. That's one way to look at it. The other way, we can see these statements in light of Job's life of devotion and sacrifice. In this way, Job, he he might be saying, you know, I have sacrificed just like you've commanded, uh, and my sins are covered by that. I've come in faith and repentance just like you said. Therefore, I trust in your word and I I should be forgiven for all those things based on your word. Uh, why are you punishing me for the sins even though you said my sacrifice and my faith would cover it? And Job is a he's a very intelligent man and and I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking he was perfect at this point and asking God, "Oh, just show me my sin." You know, I'm pretty sure that he knew that it wouldn't be to his benefit to claim perfection. So I'm almost positive he knew exactly the extent of his sin. But uh, what was shocking to him was the fact that it seemed like God was punishing him for the same sins that he was supposed to have forgiven by the sacrifice. He says, make me, he says, why do you make me to inherit the transgression of my youth? He says, why are you calling all these sins back that are supposed to be forgiven? Uh, many believers today still feel like this. Jesus has atoned for all our sins, not just a few, but all of them. Uh, that means that our account is totally clear with Holy God. If if that's true, and it is for believers, then how can God be punishing me for the same sins that he uh, has atoned for? And of course, you already know the answer. The truth is that God is not punishing Job. That's the truth. Uh, God isn't bringing his wrath down on Job's head for his sin. Uh, we saw what God is doing in the first and second chapter. He has not gone back on his word of forgiveness. What we've, you know, what we have here is simply Job's misunderstanding. Instead of trusting God to to be working all things for his good, Job is starting to wonder himself why God is bringing all his old sins up and punishing him. Um, when we look at the verses this way, the way that he's he's wondering why these forgiven sins are being brought back up, um, and, and I think that's the right way. Uh, 
Job is actually questioning God's faithfulness. So I'm not saying that Job is in the right by what he's doing. Actually, it's worse. It would have probably been better for him to say, to think he's perfect and ask God to show him his sin. In this instance, he's questioning God's faithfulness. He's saying, you told me I was forgiven and now you're going back on your word. And so... Uh, In the next section, Job just flat out says that God's imprisoning him in suffering. He says, you put my feet in the stocks and watch all my past. You set a limit for the soles of my feet. He says, I can't get away from from it. Is this what Job's saying? I can't get away from all this. Why are you doing this to me? Um, Man is just too frail to stand the wrath of God. Job knows that if God is pouring out his wrath, and and we know that God isn't, but, but Job thinks he is, if God is pouring out his wrath on man, then there's no hope. Uh, he can't stand under the weight of what that judgment would mean. The last verse of 28 says, man wastes away like a rotten thing, like a garment, uh, that is moth. Um, and then in chapter 14, he's continuing, continuing this thought. He says, man who is born of woman is few of days and full of trouble. He comes out like a flower and withers. He flees like a shadow and continues not. And do you open your eyes on such a one and bring me into judgment with you? He's saying, I'm already just a man. I'm already dying. I'm already full of trouble. He says, why are you opening your eyes and, and bringing judgment on me? Why are you adding all this when you said that sacrifice and offering and, and faith and devotion to you would bring forgiveness and covering. Um, he's saying, why are you doing this to me? It's almost like he's calling God a big old bully. Uh, I'm just a feeble little man and you're coming against me with all your might. He says, verse 4 says, in 14, 4 says, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? There is not one. Since his days are determined and the number of his months is with you and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. He's saying you're the one in control and instead of letting me live out my days in peace, you've taken the remainder of my days and given me nothing but suffering. In verse verse 6 he says, look away from him and leave him alone that he may enjoy like a hired hand his day. Finally Job, he just gets down to it and says, will you just please leave me alone? Let me have a little rest for the remaining time that I have left. Job's getting more and more hopeless, and he's getting more and more, um, I don't know if belligerent's the right word. He's getting more and more what seems like disrespect with God. It says, for there is hope for a tree. Verse 7, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. He said, there's hope for the tree, and that its shoots will not cease. Though its root grow old in the earth, and its stump die in the soil, yet at the scent of water it will bud and put out branches like a young plant. He's saying, look at all, even the old dumb tree has hope. And in verse 10, he says, but a man, he dies and he's laid low. Man breathes his last, and where is he? As, As waters fail from a lake. And a river wastes away and dries up. So a man lies down and he rises not again to the heavens or no more. He will not awake or be roused out of his sleep. He's saying, look how frail this man is. In this last section, I'm going to read a lot right here. Because this whole section from verse 13 down to 22, uh, Job is basically going to ask God to kill him. He's going to ask God for death. He's going to say, the only, the only hope that I have 
now in the in the face of all this suffering is that I would just die and be done with it. Uh, verse 13, he says, Oh, that you would hide me in Sheol, which is the grave, that you would conceal me until your wrath be passed, that you would appoint me a set time and remember me. If a man dies, shall he live again? All the days of my service, I would wait till my renewal shall come. He's waiting for the last day. You would call and I would answer you. You would long for the work of your hands, for then you would number my steps. You would not keep watch over my sin. My transgression would be sealed up in a bag and you would cover over my iniquity. Only in death. You know, only in death will he be free from all this. Only in death and rising in, in Job's, you know, in, in the Jewish belief, the resurrection would be, you know, in the last day he would die and and go into the grave. And in the, on the last day, God would raise him again. <clears throat> but he's <clears throat> he's not hopeful. He's saying here it sounds like, oh, oh, I wish you would just I would die. And then, you know, later you would call and answer me. Uh, but he's not hopeful that he's going to have this rescue from God. He's even he's even um, uh, he's even disparaging the the only hope that he has. He's even uh, pessimistic about God granting him this simple request that you would just kill me. He says, verse eighteen says, "But the mountain falls and the crumb and crumbles away, and the rock is removed from its place. The waters wear away the stones. The torrents wash away the soil of the earth." So you destroy the hope of man. Verse 20, you prevail forever against him and he passes. You change his countenance and you send him away. His sons come to honor and he doesn't know it. They're brought low and he perceives it not. Whether his sons do good or do bad, he's dead. He doesn't know. He feels only the pain of his own body and he mourns only for himself. You see, at this point, as we come to chapter 14, uh, <clears throat> Job is, you're seeing signs of Job's uh, continuing rise into or descent into hopelessness. He's, uh, he's asking God uh, to hear his case. He's asking God to remove the suffering, but in, then in the same breath, he is... Uh, pessimistic that God is even going to hear him, that God is going to do anything. Uh, at this point, Job is starting to, starting to, um, he doesn't want to doubt God's word. That's what he's holding fast to. But the suffering that he's going through is taking its toll. And he, he, he's running out of options. It seems like he's running out of, he's running out of, uh, He's running out of excuses and arguments to make against these men who are just bombarding him with with uh, the thought that God is uh, punishing him for something that he did rather than uh, rather than seeing the sacrifices as uh, covering over his sin. And so even in the face of Job's faith that he's trusting in God and trusting in the word of God. Um, he's getting weary. He's getting weary of, of all his suffering. And uh, we're going to see that Job is vindicated, but we're also going to see that Job is, is going to be rebuked by God for, um, for, for questioning him and losing, losing faith in his word, losing heart. Even if he doesn't lose heart before his friends, what's going on in Job's heart is he's trying to deal with, with all this suffering, and he's trying to make sense of it all, uh, and he's asking for answers rather than trusting in what God is doing.